morning, everyone. Good morning. It's nice to see a house full. <laughs> it's nice to see a house full of, uh, with people that we recognize the face and with people we don't recognize the face. People that are here for the first time. Uh, I just met Andrea from Maryland. She's here for the first time. I think there's others as well. Um, church, make sure they don't leave this morning without being greeted by you. Okay? <laughs> Um, I, w I was not thinking of starting this way, um, but I want to start um, this way, <laughs> um, sharing how fragile we are. Um, Ruben was supposed to preach this Sunday, but um, their week, him and Gabby had a bit of a hectic week back and forth. Gabby's health was not 100%. And uh, on Thursday, Ruben said, Pedro, um, it's been very difficult to, to manage, manage everything we had and difficult to focus and prepare a message. So can you guys think of something uh, to share? And uh, we got the idea, spoke with Dina and Jode. So we thought, okay, let's, let's bring a, a message together. The three of us, that's not, there's not much time to prepare, but if we divide the message for the three of us, okay, it's a bit easier. We get 10 minutes each, it's okay. Um, Jode got uh, sick with the flu yesterday, and today she just couldn't speak at all. So this morning, we had to readapt a little bit the things, and instead of having three people seated here, we had two ugly people sitting here. So the pretty one is at home, and you're watching now, though. Yeah. Um, but but uh, so we, we had to adapt things and think, think what we're, how we're going to manage it. And, um, and I thought, I don't need to speak about it because, you know, people don't need to know it. But at the same time, while we were um, meeting this morning, God really spoke to our heart. And I just want to say this because also God was speaking to my heart during this morning. It's, um, we are fragile. We, we are desperate for God. We, we, we need God so much. Um, he is, uh, he, he must be more than the air we breathe. And, and we as a church, we are also fragile. We get sick or we just don't get, how, things sometimes do not work. So sometimes we have to pick something and prepare the best that we can. But, but we believe still that it's in our um, 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 fragility, is in our weakness that God shows even more power. Because I think it's more dangerous that we come here, think we are fully prepared because we got all the notes right and we kind of forget God then we standing here and saying, hey, we are a bit, uh, uh, hope we are prepared enough. <laughs> but uh, it's more dangerous to uh, think that we are so well prepared and forget God than actually to say, God, we need you so much. And um, one, we, we, we chose the Psalm 90 this morning to s speak about that, uh, motivated by one song that actually Don chose on the lineup we'll sing after. So we thought, oh, we're going to sing about Psalm 90. So what, what if we also bring a thought on Psalm 90 and then we sing about it? Um, but little did I know that even the other songs that Don was bringing and that we sang this morning, God was already speaking so much about it. Because we just started by saying, this is who you are, God, and this is who we are. And we're going to talk about it. We just confess to God as well. You are the air I breathe. We are so desperate for you. And we will understand more about it this morning as well. And we just sang Jesus. We just proclaimed the name of Jesus. And we are going to 
speak about Jesus this morning. So God definitely is preparing um, what is, prepares thing, prepare the things for this morning. And my prayer is in the middle of our weakness, God, go ahead. He prepares everything so that the word can land because it's all about him. Amen. Um, so yeah, we, we, we thought on sharing a bit on Psalm 90. Um, we love the Psalms. And something that Jode wanted to share, and, and, and I'll share in her behalf, it was an experience she, she had while she was doing missions in Thailand. So after the university, she spent eight months there. She was with a mission organization, and they would teach English, basic English uh, language, using the Bible. So it was a way to, uh, to use, uh, you know, just learning skills and, 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 and evangelize that way. But one thing that um, um, they did there in Thailand with, with their group, they did a lot of prayer nights uh, where they would literally pray during the whole night, starting nine, uh, at night and finishing at seven in the morning. And one of the things they used to do um, um, to help them to pray was to pray using the Psalms. So she wrote, there is so much beauty in speaking to God using the words from his holy word. So she said it was, um, uh, it was time and it would help her to uh, also uh, remain focused on what, was, what she and was praying. And, uh, and we know even how easy it is when we are praying and our minds start wondering and thinking of something else. But when, when we decide, for example, to use the, use the Word of God, open it and have a psalm, and we read the psalm, and at the, at the same time as we read, we then put our own words, and as God is speaking, and, and we proclaim the psalm, and we, we stick to that psalm, we use it as a moment of prayer, and how engaging that can be, and how powerful that can be. So we thought... Let's bring a psalm as well this morning. Let's read a psalm together. Let's pray with this psalm and let's digest a little bit what this psalm has for us. We definitely cannot go through all the details, but we chose a few themes in this psalm that we would like to bring and highlight to you. But let's read together first Psalm 90. So you can either open your words or you can follow on the screens. Um, we're reading using the NIV version. So Psalm 90 says this, a Psalm of Moses. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may become to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. 
Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with, our, with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So Moses, one of the greater, greatest leaders of Israel, he wrote this psalm most likely while he was leading the Israelites for 40 years in the desert. And this is the way he starts the psalm, something, this poem he wanted to dedicate from God. He said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Lord, you have been our dwelling place. A man and a people, millions of them, people who did not have a house during 40 years, they were declaring together with Moses that their dwelling place were not the temporary tents they could arrange in the deserts, but it was the Lord. And this is how they started proclaiming the reality of what God meant to them. Lord, you are, you are our dwelling place. You are our house. Their home was in God. Sometimes it might be, um, might be even more dangerous for us. We who probably have a home or rent a home. And I just had an experience with Jode. We, our apartment was under renovation. So for um, two months and a half, we were in different people's houses. And we could actually not um, complain about it because we experienced the goodness of the people who allowed us to be in their houses. But there was at the same time just the discomfort of almost every week changing places that not yet call our home and we long for, for that home. But, and, and I know many of you uh, are also just arrived in Portugal or have changed houses many times in just a few months. And, and I remember even a time when we were waiting for our house to be finished and we were um, just thinking, oh, it's a bit uncomfortable. We met a, a lady who was in someone's house and she was telling us, we met her at the Lisbon Project and she said, I'm desperate. I have a small daughter and I don't have a place at all to be the next week. They understood that their dwelling house was God. In other words, the, 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 the word dwelling also meant a refugee, a place they could call a home. A refuge is a place that provides shelter or protection from any danger or distress. Do we call God our dwelling place? Do we look at God in that way? Do we join Moses' prayer and we call God that way? In verse 2, he continues and he says, 
God, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So Moses was calling God his dwelling place, but he starts proclaiming of who this God is. From, um, you brought, from before the mountains were born, uh, were born, from everlasting to everlasting, God was. Moses was recognizing that God was sovereign, that God was all-powerful, and, and that God was eternity. God started in the beginning of time. God is today, and God will be forever. So the one that Moses was calling um, the, the reason Moses was calling God his home was because he also knew and recognized that he, God has his home, has his refuge. God does not change. God was strong. God was powerful. He believed in the house that would not be um, torn away uh, by the wind, would not be easily destroyed not destroyed at all. So the reason why he could call upon God is because he also knew and trusted who God was. Sovereign. God knew all things. God was sovereign through all their plans. Even in those 40 years in the desert where they had many questions and many, many unanswered questions, he knew God was sovereign. God was taking care. He knew God was powerful because they could see how God powerfully took them out of Egypt with their hands and how God was still taking care of them because of who God was and is. Moses was able to call God his dwelling house and we are also able to call God our refuge, our dwelling house. And then Moses continued his song. So Moses says, this is who you are, God. Thank you. But, he's, but now he starts reflecting who we are as human beings. So the next part of the psalm is quite harsh, is quite hard. In this next session, section, Moses starts reflecting. He says, who is God and who are we? And he says things like, we human beings... We are like new grass in the morning, but we dry in the evening. We are consumed by God's anger and terrified by God's indignation of us. All our secret sins are in the light of God's presence. More, he says, our days pass away under God's wrath. We finish our years with a mourn. Trouble and sorrow awaits us. So when Moses shifts his focus and he starts reflecting, reflecting upon who human beings were, this is a description that Moses found. He, Moses, along with many other biblical writers, they were aware of the shortness of human life. He says, and I'll repeat, we are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning, it springs up new, but in the evening, it is dry and withered. Just also this morning, um, our um, accountant firm that deals with the, 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 also helps the church and Lisbon project, um, one of the people that started that accountant firm, he went uh, on operation and something went terribly wrong during the operation. 
and he stayed in coma for a few days. And in the matter of days, he didn't woke up. He passed away. Something completely unpredictable. And we were, uh, we were hearing the news and praying for his recovery, but the poor man went into an operation and he um, didn't make it. Life, <laughs> shortness of life, um, things that are unplanned. And Moses reflects upon these things. So all these reference and metaphors, they mean one thing. Man has a fallen character. We are nothing when we compare to God. So when we, we read this psalm again and we, we, when we, we digest, we see the first verses where Moses is, is, is speaking of who God is and then who we are. And basically he says, we men are nothing. And we may question, but wait, wait. We are nothing? Didn't the Bible also tell us that we were created into God's image or likeness? Doesn't the Bible say in Ephesians that we are God's masterpiece in creation? Or isn't that another psalm that says we were wonderfully made by God? So how can you say we are nothing? Did God do a, a bad job? Did He created us already like has trash? God created us according to His own image and likeness. And He created with us with all the potential to be perfect like He is. The problem is that in our freedom, we vandalized that um, perfection by falling short, by our sins. We vandalize everything that God has created when we decided to not align our actions and our thoughts according to God's thoughts and desires. So when we reflect about who we are, we are not like that because God created us like that, but we are like that horrible image because of what sin has made. And we can not just look around at our own lives, but when we look to the world around us, as God is left out of the equation, what is the result? What is the result we see constantly on the news? Because God is left out of society. So Moses expresses um, these thoughts in a very poetically way, but in a very truthful way the consequences of sin. So God is so high, so holy, so sovereign and perfect, and our sins separate us so much from God. So what can we do from this cruel and raw reality of human fallen nature? Then on verse 12, for me is one of my favorite verses of this psalm. When Moses starts processing what to do now? We understand the reality of God. We understand the reality of man. What's the first step? What shall we do now? And he says, teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, God, have our eyes open to our reality. Help us to kill our own self-pride. 
Help us to understand the consequence of our sins that make our days shorten. Help us to understand the consequence of sins that bring death, bring decay, bring weakness. Help us to start understanding so that we may start gaining a heart of wisdom. And that's the first step. Recognition. Recognizing our sins and our condition. The first step. God teaches how to start recognizing it so that we start in having a way to walk forward. And the rest of the way, Moses starts processing that thought and Dina will help us understand a little bit better. All right. I'm going to move this a little bit here. Um, we're going to continue this Psalm 90. And as Pedro was saying before, Psalms are amazing poems where we can learn so much. And some of the prayers are so well set up, you can see how the author is writing it. And like Pedro was giving introduction here, he's first focusing on God and saying, hey, you are everlasting to everlasting. And then he goes to the human condition and he's saying, we are not everlasting to everlasting. And, and, and the background of this psalm or, or the story was, and this psalm was written by Moses, that a lot of people believe that, the scholars, and it was written way before David, right? Because David is pretty much a lot of one-third of the psalms author, and this is one of the oldest psalms that is written. And when, um, when Moses writes this, they were at wilderness for like 40 years, right? They were at desert, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and everything that happens in the first five books, four books, till Deuteronomy, it happens in the first couple years, right? They explain, this is the law, follow this. And then you can see like 30 years, they were just roaming around. Nothing was captured because it was so insignificant. It, nothing really happened in that time. And I can relate to this sometime in my life where it's so insignificant. I don't even remember what happened. We are in July or August, July. I don't know how this year went. I don't. So I can relate to this, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, we are going to finish the psalm and see what Moses is doing, and we're going to see what we have to do based on that. And then we're going to combine all together and see how everything ties out for our lives. So I'm going to start with Psalm 90, verse 13 and 14. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Uh, Pedro was saying, it teaches wisdom is his uh, favorite verse. For me, this is the favorite verse. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. And then he goes on praying, make us glad. May your deeds be shown to your servants. May your favor be rest upon us. So he's asking for blessing. He's asking for favor. Uh, he's asking to make us glad. And when you read through this poem, this poem or the prayer is very original, very childlike prayer. And in one of the lines he says, for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble, 
that would make us glad. It's like a children asking, like, hey, I took a nap for a year, one hour, now I want to go play outside for one hour. So, and it's, it's so good, and, and we can study a lot on this. And the first response was Pedro was saying, we have to lay down our pride to come in front of God. If we don't humble ourselves in the presence of God, we really can't ask this, have compassion or satisfy us. A person who is prideful or a person who is not humble enough can't ask this question. Now, what does being humble mean? Is that being, well, I'm just useless or I'm nothing? Is, that is not humble. That is not being humble. Actually, if you think about it, that is being prideful because you want people to take pity on you. You want to be the center. Well, I do that a lot. So that's why I know. Um, if I dig deep down, it's actually pride. I want to be the center. I want to see people look at me. Humbleness is not thinking low of yourself. Humbleness is thinking about yourself less time, not all the time. Um, as Pedro was saying, humans are created in God's image. They are not garbage. Uh, they are a good creation of God, and humans are the crown of creation. So anything that you see in the world, all the good views, mountains, animals, everything, the crown is the humans. We were created to have dominion over all the earth. So we were the crown of God's creation, so we are not useless. At the same time, God is God. God is everlasting to everlasting, right? And as Christians, we all know that. We all believe that. No one here, I'm sure, would say, I'm better than God or I'm powerful than God. We all will say, okay, God is God. I'm here. Of course, I need God. But if you think about it, in reality, do we act like do we really need God all the time? We are very self-sufficient. Um, at least me, in uh, coming to Portugal, back in India at least, I had a lot of time to think about, oh, I need God at this area, this area. When coming to Portugal, once you have a job, once life is pretty well settled, your routines are settled, you have your good friends, you have a church community, you can go to beaches every weekend, and uh, you can take vacations, and Portuguese people are pretty chill about work, if you don't know that. Um, no pressure. So you don't really think about God as much you actually did when you were not going through this comfortable situation. We can all want God when we need him, right? Uh, we can, we say, oh God, I'm going to humble myself because I need you to get through, get me through this situation. I want to come to you because I need you to get me through this situation. But do we come to him for who he is? Do we come to him thinking who we are compared to him? Do we seek him earnestly in that way? And also for Christians, um, there's a lot of people here who have been going to churches for a very long time. And this is another thing where we long-time Christians, when we go through church week after week, we know who God is. We know our Bible. We know our theology a little bit. And uh, we don't have the same passion anymore. We don't seek him like we do before because now we thought we got this. We need God 
every now and then, but not really all the time. Not really all the time to say that, God, have compassion on me. God, make me glad. Make your deeds show me. May your favor be with us. We don't do that, do we? I, I don't do that list. I, I lack that, honestly, that Moses is asking for God. And second thing, Moses, is this prayer, he's, he's having the desperation that we were just singing a song, um, I'm desperate for you, Lord, I'm lost without you, right? That was so deep prayer, if you think about it. Are we really desperate for God? Like, we need God now, right now. Do we pray desperately? When is the last time, thinking about this year, when's the last time we actually pray desperately or seek God, not just in prayer, in any ways, desperately? And, and he goes on praying, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. And it's a really cool request. He's saying, satisfy us. In the world, this satisfaction is one of the root for pretty much all the evils. Why do people cheat on their spouse, abuse drugs, alcohol? Are more, more common thing. Why do people binge watch television series for 12 hours straight? You do it? Yeah? Why did you do that? Because we, we are not satisfied. We want more. We want that appetite keeps coming up, right? And these are all good things. Marriage is good. Having, you know, good time with your friends is good. But those are just something that can satisfy your appetite for that moment, for that evening, for that weekend. But it's not going to satisfy your inner desires. Your desires are, there is a verse that says, you have a God-shaped hole in your heart that only God can fill. You, if you seek anything else, you're going to feel empty or, and wanting more. And, and this is, that's why I like this verse so much. Moses being the man of God, and there is so much praise for Moses all over the Bible. And he is praying, God, I, I need you to satisfy me. And he says, with your unfailing love. And I, I want to put this verse again. I want to show something here. Um, in Hebrew poetry, it's very common to use contrast parallelism, which means you have, when verse starts with morning, it ends with evening. Starts with day, ends with night. Sun, moon, heaven, earth. You can see a lot of that. And you can, if you see the same trend, you can read this. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad in the evening. But it doesn't say that. And Moses picks up here, he, probably he wrote evening and probably scratched it out and then wrote all our days. Uh, th that is really cool. When God satisfies you, we'll be satisfied all our days. We won't be satisfied for a weekend. We won't be satisfied for a few hours. We won't be satisfied for this year, this season, the first year of marriage, right? It, it's not something short. It is internal, and it is the satisfaction that we have from God that will keep us glad and keep us happy and keep us content all our days. And why do God do that? Because we are awesome people? No. 
He says, He will satisfy us because of His unfailing love. Because of not how good we are, but because of how good He is. Because His love is unchanging. His love is unfailing. We fail God all the time. We, that's what we do. We, we, we don't live up to His standards, and we keep falling short over and over, don't we? But God's unfailing, steadfast love will satisfy us if we ask Him to. So that's how the prayer ends. That's how uh, Moses is saying, God, here's who you are. Here's who we are. I get it. I'm humble now. I'm desperate for you. Satisfy me. Now comes the final question, right? Um, how come this everlasting to everlasting sovereign God who knows everything, who, who is living through all the ages, if he's that God, how can I reach him? How can I have a relationship with him or when Pedro was reading his segment he says he keeps our sins and our secret sins in, in, in front of his presence how does it work if he's going to do that how can I get to him and above all what is the proof that he's going to love us steadfast in unfaithful faithful love well the answer for all three is the good news of the Bible right the answer for all three is the gospel this everlasting God who is the dwelling place for us actually came down to earth to dwell with us because we can't go dwell with him because we are sinful. We are broken people. So he said, I'm going to come down because you can't seek me without me seeking you first. And this is a God who came down to meet us here. And he lived a perfect life. Christ, Jesus Christ, you knew no sin he became sin for us for what so that our secret sins everything we did secretly everything we did behind doors everything that is in front of his presence is now laid upon the cross laid upon Jesus so you stand perfect in front of him Jesus when God sees you he sees Christ and that's our hope and, and that's a beautiful scandalous grace that we have and this way, he loved us. And this is the way he will satisfy us for all our lives. And if we ask how he can do that, he did it first. He came down and did it first for us to show us his love. We're going to spend some time on prayer on this instead of um, exposing more on this chapter. So I'm going to invite the worship team to uh, set up. If you're new to this story, if you're the first time hearing about the gospel or about Jesus or about the Christianity, and if you have a lot of questions that you're not sure about how things work, how everything match, I want to say I feel your struggle. I, I get it. And because this God is not, we can put in some little boxes and just explain one, two, three, that's God. And if we can actually explain God in little boxes, then he cannot be God. If, if I can understand something in my mind, then it means it's smaller than my mind. And this God is not smaller than my mind. He's an everlasting God, so I can't fit him. But we will love to walk with you on this, on this journey to know God. And he's not the God to 
to be fully understood. He is a God where we get known by this God and be loved by this God. And that is all that matters. Um, as a worship team uh, starts to lead us in worship, let us stand. I want to take this moment for us, um, for like five minutes, for everyone to um, just close your eyes and just meditate on who our God is. And meditate who He is compared to us. Who, who are we compared to Him? Are we seeking for things that would satisfy us for momentarily? When's the last time we asked for God to satisfy us? Our inner desires. When Jesus was living on earth, he told the Samaritan woman, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him eternal life. When the Lord refreshes us, with His presence. Our joy is so much that no one can take. No situation can take. Nothing can take. No bad news can take. No health conditions can take. If God satisfies us, we don't, we don't have to run behind anything. Money, fame, fun, knows we all fall short, right? I fall short every day. I let him down. But we have a high priest who can sympathize with our struggle, who can sympathize with your situation, who can sympathize with your life. He knows what you're going through. He's not just up there watching you, watching you fail. He came down and lived with us. seek you for who you are. Maybe I seek you for what I want, what I need. 
come to you as a child run to his father just because he loves his father. I want to love you because who you are. it on our own. We tried. We failed. We need your spirit with us. Lead us back to you. Lead us back to your love. We want to repent, God. Come back to us, God. Take us back. Satisfy us. Teach us, God. Discipline us. Walk with us. Talk to us. <laughs>